The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. Ever since we saw the TV show Hoarders, we wanted to talk with our guest on this episode, extreme cleaning specialist Matt Paxton. Matt has spent decades helping people sort through messes in attics, basements, garages, and elsewhere. And for the past couple of years, he's been the host of the PBS television show Legacy List with Matt Paxton, which highlights families that are downsizing or settling in a state of a loved one. Matt is also the author of the soon-to-be-published book, Keep the memories, lose the stuff, declutter, downsize, and move forward with your life. Matt, we thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tell us how you got into the business of decluttering. (laughs) It's a really interesting story. People always like, why would you go on hoarders? Well, I always (laughs) joke I failed. I failed at everything else. But um, the the truth is, I actually, when I was 24, my dad and my stepdad and both my grandpas all passed away. And so I had to, I had to clean out all their houses. I was a very immature, young 24 and all the men that raised me passed away that year. And just by happenstance, it just happened to work out that way. It was really about 18 months, but I had to go through their houses and I did. And I started cleaning my dad's house and it really sucked. Like it was really, it was awful. It was, it was depressing. It was sad. I was grieving. And there were all these things I didn't know what to do with, like, you know, old, paint cans and, you know, fertilizers and not, you know, all the crazy stuff, guns, like everything you can imagine. And I just remember thinking this sucks. And my grandpa had always said, if something sucks as a job, or if something sucks to do, do it as a job and people will pay you to do it. And, uh, and so I was like, I guess I'll just keep doing this. And here we are 20, almost 21 years later, I'm still cleaning out people's houses. And uh, it's awesome. I mean, I didn't plan on being on TV. I didn't plan on writing books. I was, I was cleaning houses for 15 bucks an hour and I loved it. Cause I was like, you know, I'd help someone and then they would give me a big hug and then they would give me a check. And I was like, this is a cool, this is a cool gig, you know? And so I just kind of like, you know, it took, I don't know, five years before I knew I was really going to just keep doing it. I thought it was gonna be like a side hustle until I found something else. And then I just kept doing it. Up until I saw hoarders, I thought that people who hoarded were just people who had a lot of things and didn't have the time to clean, but it's actually something that really goes back to trauma and somebody's childhood, something that just really requires treatment, clinical treatment. Can you explain the difference to us? Yeah. So hoarding versus collecting. Collecting is great. It's fun. It brings you joy. It's something you do with your family and you share these, these items and people, you know, share in that joy. Hoarding is really, it is a mental disorder and it's, um, it's when that stuff actually holds your life back from being successful. And so it's, it's always caused by trauma. It's always caused by some type of, you know, it's death, divorce, loss of a job. Um, it's usually, it's usually abuse. I'll be honest. I mean, if I had tracked it in my entire career, a lot of it is physical, sexual, or mental abuse and in their teens, very young. And then we see it when they're 65. Um, if you watch the show, you think it's uh, 65 year old white women with cats and um, it's it's not. It's actually 50-50, men and women. It's actually 50.1% male, 
Um, but what we found is uh, women are more willing to go through the embarrassment and shame to fix it. And men tend to just die. And you know, we clean it up as an estate clean out. They don't, they die with the secret. How does this pain, this physical, sexual abuse, whatever it might yeah. be, translate into holding on to things? What are people trying yeah. to do with that? Well, grief is grief, right? And it's it's different for everybody. Um, I remember one lady, I remember saying before I, I was a young, I, mean, I, I was 25 when I started doing this. And I was a very young, immature kid. And I remember the lady said, well, like my husband left me. I got divorced. And I said, wow, all of this over just a divorce. And I really shamed her grief with the word just because I didn't understand. I didn't know what divorce was at that time. I didn't know how damaging it was. And she had really been hoarding for 20 years. It's loss, it's sadness, it's grief. We all, Grief is, is not, there's no one definition for grief, but what is the same is it behaves a lot like alcoholism, drug addiction, where you're looking for happiness and self-worth in something else, right? You, you've got a hole in your life. And so some people look for it in gambling. Some people look for it in sports. Some people look for it in faith. Uh, our hoarders, they look for it in stuff. I understand keeping some stuff like clothes or collectibles, but I don't understand why some of these hoarders keep things like garbage or even feces. Yeah. Why Why does it go there? Or yes, yeah, the feces is, is really specific. The feces is actually brilliant, believe it or not. Um, they're trying to keep the rest of the world out. And it took me years to understand. I was like, they're so gross. That's disgusting. What's going on? And I hadn't really understood like how – how hurt and damaged. These are real people. They're good people where bad things have happened to them. And this lady had wiped her own feces all over the door, like the doorway of her house. And nobody would go in. And all the people from you know the city would call me. They'd say, well, she's got poop all over her house. Well, I could see her kitchen and her kitchen was beautiful. And I was like, what's up? I don't get this. And I, it hit me. I was like, oh, I was like, you're really smart. I was like, you just wiped that all over the door so everybody would leave. And she broke into a big smile. Because I called her out on it. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and she just started oh laughing. God. And I was like, let's go to the kitchen. Let's get past this poop, you know, and literally and figuratively. And for her, it was just a brilliant way to keep people out. And so I will say this. The feces is separate. It's really like meta, really deep. But but as far as like the trash, like there's value in everything for everyone. And so like I got a buddy that's got a um, a Mustang, right? It's like an 84 Mustang. It's it's an okay car, but he loves it. To him, it's the greatest car in the world. Who am I to judge what he loves, right? I like different other cars. But so for us, I like to say like people have joy. They find happiness and joy in stuff. We had a um, – and, it, and it's just different. We had a, a hoarder in Oklahoma that – I mean she really took pride in how how like rural her house was. I mean she was she was literally hoarding just – like, I mean, dust, basically. I mean, there's nothing of financial value, and I couldn't understand it. And what I later found out was that it connected her to her parents, who were part of the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression. And so for her, it actually connected her to the people that she loved the most, her parents and her grandparents. And so although, like, she was having sadness everywhere else in her life, she, she felt really strong and powerful, kind of just surviving in squalor because it, it made her feel like her mom and her grandma, the two women she really loved and respected. Um, I tell everybody no matter how crazy and extreme it looks, like if you understand the trauma, the story actually makes total sense. How often do people go back to the hoarding habits or go back to a messy situation after you've come in and cleaned it up? So that's the money question. Um, this is a mental disorder, period. Like there's no way to, you can't fix it with just cleaning. I always say like, imagine you had an alcohol, a buddy that's an alcoholic. And if you just throw away his beer, have you fixed the problem? Well, no, you really just made him angry. 
Yeah. And that's the same thing with cleaning. If you just come in and clean and we throw everything away and we don't deal with the trauma and the emotional part, it's always going to, it's a hundred percent failure. Uh, so we really focus on, uh, we do therapy before and after. I won't clean a hoarded home if they haven't gone to therapy to deal with the trauma. It may not be hoarding specific therapy, but I, I want to deal with the loss, the divorce, the abuse, whatever that trauma is, whatever that trigger is. I want them to deal with that a little bit before the clean out and then long term after the clean out, like a year, two, three years. So our success rate is if you go to therapy, we've had about a 60 to 70 percent success rates over my 20 years of keeping the house clean. If you don't go to therapy, it's a hundred percent failure. Like no one succeeds. And so we actually think it's unethical to to receive money to clean out a house if they don't go to therapy. And that's why there's always still a therapy, even now, season 14 of hoarders, there's a therapist on set all the time. Because we know there's zero chance of them succeeding if you don't deal with therapy. We thank you for being part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. And we want to take a minute to talk about Hover, one of our sponsors. That's Hover, spelled H-O-V-E-R. Have you ever thought about starting your own business or creating a brand, sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world, using your years of experience to create something for yourself? Hover wants to help you take the first step in getting your ideas off the ground. If you have a brand that you've always dreamt of building or a business you want to take online, the first step is finding your domain name. Hover makes this super simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools, and truly amazing support from friendly humans. You'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that's memorable, relevant, and boosts your brand. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, and point it to your website in just a few clicks. If you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call or chat away. It's never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer. Getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their businesses. In addition to the classics like .com, you can get extensions like .shop, .tech, and .art with over 400 more to choose from. Secure, simple, and reliable, Hover is a trusted and popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain name, head to hover.com nobody to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. Maybe you want to buy a domain name for someone as a gift for the holidays. You may even want to secure your child's name as a domain name for privacy purposes. Again, that's hover.com slash nobody to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. That's hover spelled H-O-V-E-R dot com slash nobody for 10% off your first purchase. What do you do if there's a sentimental item to somebody that you just can't understand why they would want to hold on to? Well, that, you know, if you asked me that question five years ago, 10 years ago, I'd have a different answer. Um, now I'm all about telling the story. I mean, I've just, I, I want to hear the story. I used to, people say, well, if you tell the story, then I can only let go of it. I, I beg to differ now. I found that, um, you know, not everybody's order. Some people just have a lot of stuff and they want people to hear the stories. And so for me, it's about telling the stories and then documenting those stories. And so I really embrace that. And that's what my new show's about. That's what my book's about. I want people to go out and share the stories. And here's the thing about sharing a story. You got to have an audience. Someone's got to be in the room or at least online. Somebody somehow has to hear these stories. And if you share those stories and you document them, I've found that it is easier to let go. And sometimes people just aren't ready to let go of something. And that's okay too. I mean, I'm okay with that. Like, but I'll say, great. If you're keeping this piano, then I need to get rid of stuff for the exact, the size of the exact same space. 
If you're keeping these two boxes of pictures because you're not ready to go through them, great. Show me something. How about all those old t-shirts that you don't wear anymore? Can I donate those? And so for me, it's equal in, equal out. There's a, you know, there's a quick mix. My career is weird where you go back and forth between physical organizing tips and mental organizing tips. And you have to combine them and use them and all that. And so for me, I'm like, if you want to keep this because this person meant a lot to you, awesome. But I have to get something of the same size shape out of your house because at the end of the day, we got to have less stuff. This is the time of year when a lot of people may be gathering with family that they haven't seen for a long time. And they may be surprised when they go in and see all of the stuff that's been accumulated, all of the messes that a loved one has. So how do you approach this? If you're maybe with your family for just a few days over the holidays or maybe for a family reunion of some sort, how do you begin to address this topic with someone? I love it. The biggest day that my phone rings like the most is the Friday after Thanksgiving. And then it's the day after Christmas. Those are the two days my phone rings the most because the adult children come home and they see mom. They're like, oh my gosh, we got to do something. So here's the thing. You need to be brutally honest. Just stop dancing around it. Um, You know, it typically is our 65 and older community that we're that we're having this conversation about. Not always, but a lot of times we are. But these are not, stop being delicate, stop being, but you don't need to be rude either. So I say, don't shame them at all. Um, I communicate privately. Like it's not, you don't want to walk in and be like, ooh, mom in front of all the other kids. This place is a wreck. What's wrong with you? Why would you keep this? Like you're shaming them publicly. Like that's the worst thing you do. Do it privately, respectfully, and then brutally honestly. Just say, hey, mom, this isn't okay. I love you. Um, I don't want you to live like this. And then you got to listen. You got to shut up and listen. And honestly, that's the hardest skill set. Um, as the adult child, you're not going to like this, but uh, there's times at some point in your life when um, the daughter becomes the mom and the mom becomes the daughter. And um, sometimes this conversation is that that moment. And so I tell people, like, be really respectful of where your your parent is in that space in life, but have it privately, have it respectfully. And then just to the point, and don't like, don't make a big deal about it. Like, don't, don't like, you know, trick on, just be like, hey, man, this is gross. Like, mom, I'm worried about you. I love you. People, what we forget is that I love you part. Like, tell the why. Like, not because you can just say, mom, your house is gross. That's a lot different from, hey, mom, we love you. Don't really love the place the way you're currently living. How can we work with you together to try to make this better? Those are two separately communications, but you're saying the same thing. Right. And it's really how you deliver it. And you've got to state that you love them. You've got to state the why. I cannot stress that parents, you know, as, as adult children, we forget to do that. You've got to, Hey mom, I love you so much. And you're so important to me. And that's why you can let go of my Bon Jovi posters because like, <laughs> I don't need them, you know, and I'm right here. And usually they're holding on because they're fearful of something. And like, you know, as we get older, we, we are in control of less and we have less power over our own lives. And a lot of times they're holding on to stuff because it's really the the last thing they're control of. And so one thing you heard me say is, hey, let's do this together. You're not saying, mom, here's the rule. This is what you're going to do. You're saying, hey, mom, I want to work together. Let's put a plan together because they need to be in control. These adult children need to make sure that they're following through past the holidays. I'm mm-hmm. wondering what That's they really need good. to do in terms of like, should they say, hey, you need a therapist or is that just going to make the parents put on the brakes and start a fight? Like, what do you actually say? Well, let me ask you, um, how would you feel if your daughter said, mom, you got to go to a therapist right now? Hmm. You're probably going to put your feet on the ground and be like, no. If, if I didn't think the problem was that bad, um, I would 
say no. I'd I know, say, yeah, I, yeah, I know I, you. I, yeah, know I would say, say no. I would say no. I mean, I think if I had stuff piled up to the ceiling, I'd say, yeah, maybe you're right. But I think if it was just a mess that had kind of had gotten out of hand, mm-hmm. I'd say, let's, let's do this. Yeah, Maybe if you notice it at Thanksgiving and know that you're going to see that person at Christmas, maybe give them that time to try and fix it themselves. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. I mean, setting deadlines is, is challenging. I'll say this. Don't ever do a forced clean out. That's the worst thing you do. Like mom's in the hospital and you clean out the house when she's not there. That is theft to mom. Like I hope people hear this, like a forced clean out might suit your time frame as an adult child. Like I've seen so many families where like the cousins and the sisters and brothers, they all come to town and they do a quick clean out when mom's in the hospital and they think mom's gonna be really happy when she gets home from the hospital. It's the opposite. Like she feels like she's been robbed yeah, and because she's not in control. So, and, and I, one thing I want to come back to, like we, you and I walk into the house, we maybe haven't been there in six months. And so we see a massive difference in the volume of stuff. Uh, the hoarder does not, they see something different. Like we have, there's actual research that uh, they went in and took a picture. They did an MRI of uh, 10,000 hoarders and non-hoarders. And we know that their brain sees it. A hoarder sees the pile differently than a non-hoarder. We don't know what they see, but we know their brain triggers it and sees it differently. And I think that's fascinating, right? Like that our brains yeah. work differently. And I look at it like a haircut. Like I can get a haircut. If you haven't seen me in a week, you're like, oh my God, man, you got a great haircut. Look at that. But if you live with me every day, you don't know that I, you know, that my hair's getting longer. It just looks normal. Yeah. You know? So the, the, the room is the same way. So be real careful on judgment. Just be like, hey, mom, this is, this is unacceptable because I love you. And we got to make a, a, a decision together. But you hit on something really big. You can't overpromise. Because if you, if you give your mom, mom probably knows. And I'm saying mom, it's mom and dad, both. I mean, but whoever, they, they know the house needs help and they know they need help. And then now you've promised it and then you don't follow through. Well, that's another loss for that hoarder. That's a total another loss. So you got to be really careful, like be realistic on the help you can provide. And don't be afraid to hire outside professional help. I, I like what you said. I would have them go to say, hey, why don't you go to one, th- you know, get out of the threshold. Don't be like, hey, mom, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, we're taking you out of here. Like, it's a good time to be like, okay, mom, what does the next 20 years look like? Like, we've been in this house for 30. What do you think? Where do you want to be the next 30 years? Because a lot of time a clean out is more expensive than you can imagine. Oh, yeah. And I mean, those the ones we do on hoarders are like sixty to $100,000 clean outs. Yeah. And those are massive because they're massive properties. And a lot of times you're better off just selling the property as is, like taking what you want out and then selling the house. So wow. I, I just say, hey, like have the opportunity to sit down and say, mom, what's our plan for the next 20 years? Like maybe it is time to get her into assisted living. Maybe it's time to get her into a home sharing situation. Maybe it's time for them to come live with you. Like there's a lot of options on housing. But like it's a lot better than starting off saying, hey, mom, you're gross. This house is awful. Shame on you. We got to get you at it. We got to. We're going to clean it up forcefully tomorrow. Like that's such a, you know, I'm, I'm being extreme on it here, but you really just want to use this opportunity to sit down. And like, hey, mom, we love you. This is this is bad for you. It's bad for everybody. I can't let the grandkids come here. Like, what could we do to make this better for you? And then listen, because like, you know, a one like a weekend long clean out is not going to solve anything. So I like to put like, what's the six year? What's the year plan? What are we going to do here? Are you trying to get into assisted living in the next three years? Like, and then you say, great, let's do a box a week. You know, that kind of like the Mm -hmm. slower, the longer it takes to clean up, the more likely it will stay clean. We're glad you're part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. And we're excited to tell you about Lomi, the world's first smart waste appliance. If you've struggled with composting and feel it's too much work or feel bad that you're not doing your part to help the environment, you have to check out Lomi. 
Lomi is a countertop electric composter, and I love it because I don't have a traditional garbage disposal. With Lomi, I don't need to take a lot of trips to the garbage with food waste. I just turn food scraps into dirt with the push of a button. And in just a minute, we'll tell you about a special offer from Lomi for our Nobody Told Me listeners. I love my Lomi because just about anything I'd put in the kitchen disposer can be put into the Lomi on my countertop and turned into dirt in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it's really quiet. Since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. Me too. And you know, I think it's cut down my kitchen garbage by at least a half. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, my Lomi turns my food waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. It is so cool to see. I feel great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of garbage. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt now for my garden, and Lomi is so easy to use. While you may want to get a Lomi for yourself, you may also want to get one for someone on your holiday list. This is a great gift that will help someone year-round. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash NTM. And again, that's Lomi spelled L-O-M-I. Use promo code NTM at checkout. Food waste is gross. Lomi is your solution. With the holidays just around the corner, Lomi will make the perfect gift for someone on your shopping list. Just head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. What kind of an impact has the pandemic had, in, based on your observations, in terms of making people have more free time or whatever to clean things out? Or in terms of accumulating more, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes, both. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've had a lot of people that have cleaned out, and a lot of people like if I look like my partners, like at Goodwill. I mean, they've told me like their volumes are up higher than they've ever had. They've never had so many donations, which is great. Um, We could also equally say, look at every one of our back porches and see the amount of Amazon boxes that are folded up to recycle. And we've also had mass consumption, right? Um, I think you know it's both. I mean. I built this new show during the pandemic as well because I found that, like, I, I, you know what I've really seen? I've seen people care a little more about the other stuff, and um, the pandemic has actually forced a lot of um, shipping situations where items are not, you know, we all bought so much the first year and a half of the pandemic, and now stuff's not available. Like, this Christmas is going to be crazy. There's going to be nothing available to buy. And so you are going to see people, like, reusing items in the home like we did back after the Depression. Not at that level, but you're going to see a lot of, you know, repurposing and reusing. And so I think... I think we're on the positive side. I think the pandemic's been better for stuff. If you really want to get blunt, I really do. I think people spent more time at home. Um, I think life and people are more important than stuff was five years ago. And I like that. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I, you know, we're not like, I mean, I've, I've got seven kids, believe it or not. And it's like my family, we don't, we're not doing all the sports teams like we used to. We're not doing like, we're not keeping up with the Joneses like we used to. The pandemic slowed us down and it really made us, like just hang out more as a family. And I think that's pretty awesome when, when life happiness replaces stuff, that's what we really always wanted to get to. And, uh, and I think the pandemic came kind of gave us a, a little bit of a push towards that. Our Nobody Told Me conversation continues as we tell you about Paired, the relationship app for couples. How does it work? Well, you and your partner download the app, 
pair together, and every day Paired gives you questions, quizzes, and games to have fun, stay connected, and deepen your conversations. It's simple and often hilarious and heartwarming. Each day you get a quiz to play or a question to answer, and you can't see your partner's answer until you answer yourself. Whether you're just a few dates in or have been together a long time, it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using Paired. My husband and I have been together for decades, and we really enjoy using Paired. Let's face it, you need to work to keep a relationship fresh and growing, and Paired helps a lot with that. We love the questions Paired asks us to answer about each other, like, what's something you admire most about your partner, and what's one new activity you could try together this month? If you're in the younger age group and have a newer relationship, Paired is a wonderful way to get to know someone better. You might really like the paired quizzes about managing jealousy, saying sorry, and gender roles at home. Try it out to spark meaningful conversations with your partner every day with fun, research-based conversation starters. Paired has hundreds of questions, quizzes, games, and tips curated by acclaimed relationship therapists and academics. And Paired has a special offer for our Nobody Told Me listeners. Head to Paired.com slash nobody to get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. Just head to P-A-I-R-E-D dot com slash nobody to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using Paired. A happier relationship starts there. Just head to P-A-I-R-E-D dot com slash nobody to sign up today. Get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. I imagine that this interview is going to give a lot of our listeners that push to get started to do a clean out. And so that seems kind of fun at the start. I know it has for me, at least when I, when I start to go through things, I'm like, I'm going to feel so good. But then there's that hump in the middle. How do we get over that? All right. So I love to do know my why. All right. Uh, my wife's a minimalist and she converted me to full minimalism about a year ago. And so we got rid of like 80% of our stuff. Um, but she always says, what's your why? Like, why you do like, what do you, you want less stuff? What's the why? And so for like a lot of my clients, it's um, like, I'll take a great example. Like a lot of times they want to clean out uh, a part of the house so that their adult mother-in-law can move in. So it's like, a, it becomes a mother-in-law suite. And you're right. That first hour is like exhilarating. It's like, woohoo, we're doing it. Look at all this space. This is great. And then like that second Saturday, it sucks. Right? <laughs> so I write the why. I write mom or mother-in-law freedom. And I write like freedom to live. And I write the safety. And I write all that on a piece of paper. So I actually put my why on a big piece of paper and I tape it on every wall in the room I'm cleaning. And I know this sounds extreme, but like when I get to that point where I don't really want to do it, I have to look at that note that's in my handwriting and it's right in front of me on the wall. And and I have, then I'm letting go, I'm letting down somebody when I see those notes, you know, it's kind of like, you know, for me right now, I'm trying to lose weight and same exact same process, to be honest. And my, I'm doing it for my sons. My sons, my 10 year old son asked me if I was still going to be a, his daddy when he's a daddy. Because, you know, because daddy, your dad died early. Like, I hope you're not going to die early. And so, like, for me, and this sounds crazy, I want to be a grandpa. Like, that's really yeah. important to me. And so I, I wrote grandpa on my hand when I go walking every morning because I want to make sure I'm a grandpa. 
And I don't want to like guilt people into this, but like I need that extra kick. Even myself, I've been doing this 20 years and I need an extra kick. So put that why on the wall and it brings you back to why you're focusing. Uh, and then the other side of that is don't do too much. Like don't try to, you know, you, you can't run a marathon the first week, you know, like, so I really start small. I, I do a 10 minute sweep or an hour, like, you know, clean for a little bit and then stop. And um, I will say this, I'm going to get in trouble for the way I say this, but it is what it is. Um, I will tell you my female clients tend to focus on what they did not get done versus what they did get done. And there is a mindset. I don't want to get in trouble for saying this. I'm not trying to put <laughs> roles into this, but that is a mathematical fact that most women say that. I will tell you that right now. And so if you finished, you know, a pile for one hour, I want you to stop. and I want you to celebrate and be proud of that as opposed to saying, well, we still got 19 hours to go. If you're oh. always looking at what you haven't accomplished, you will never finish it. You got, especially with hoarding, it's so overwhelming or any type of cleaning or downsizing. It, it's really overwhelming. So I'm begging you, do a little bit, be proud, stop, and then, you know, really be, pr be proud of yourself and say like, hey, we did this. We did some. And then come back the next day because otherwise you're going to, you're never going to be happy about it and you're never going to find joy and you're never going to get this room done. And so it's a mindset. And that is a very unpopular thing I just said, but I promise you it's true. And I love that when it comes to keeping things, you have what's called your one month rule. Tell us what that is. It's real simple. If you haven't used it in a month, do you really need it? Um, best and I, with clothes, and I know that clothes, that's, that's not accurate with clothes. I have a, a, a very similar thing I do with clothes, which is I put all my clothes. I'm a wild man on New Year's Eve uh, day. I actually put all my clothes, I put the hangers going the same way. And when I wear that clothes during the next year, I turn the hanger the other way when I put it back on. So then at the end of the year, I know what clothes I haven't worn in a year. If I haven't worn them in a year, with the exception of my suit or my tux, I really don't need them. And so then I donate all the clothes I didn't wear that year. And same thing with your, with your one, you know, your one month rule. I've seen people go to two months too, but like, if you don't use this stuff ever, it's okay to get rid of it. And, um, and there's exceptions. That's not a flat rule. Like you can't do that with every single tool. Um, but like my, okay, I moved and my skis from college. I'm 47 now. I haven't skied on these things in 30. The technology has completely changed. But I was like, oh, those are my skis. I'm going to take them to Georgia with me, which by the way, there's no skiing in Georgia. <laughs> right? And, but I was still ready to take them. And it was like, ah, oh, I got to be honest with myself here. Am I really going to ski? Right. And I mean, I had no children when I bought those skis. I didn't even have a girlfriend when I bought those skis. And now I got, I got seven kids and they can't even fit in those skis. So it was like, all right, it's time to get rid of them. Like, that's the point of that, that rule. Like be realistic about what you're going to get rid of, because if you haven't used it and you, you could take that to a year, it's still going to help you clean out your room, whatever room you're doing. If you haven't touched it in a year, start with that. Let's see how much stuff gets out of the house. You have to be honest with yourself when you're following yeah. these rules. Mm -hmm. We yeah. can justify anything. We can all justify anything. Matt, as you know, our show is called Nobody Told Me. So at the end of each show, we ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what did nobody tell you about life that you learned from a hoarder that you'd like to pass on to our audience? Mm, my gosh, that is a really good question. You know, hoarders don't care what other people think. They, they have a very free life. And, and that's a pretty awesome way to live. I mean, they live their world they're, they're not brought down by what you know rules and regulate they don't even care what the government says to be honest but like they live their own <laughs> life and i and i kind of like that i mean they they're not 
they don't keep up with the Joneses. They're not worried about what people think. They're not worried about what's cool and what's not cool. And so I've seen a lot of them become these amazing artists, believe it or not, these amazing thinkers, and they have incredible brains. I mean, there's freedom to not caring what other people think. And that's a really deep thing. But I have so many of my hoarders just, they don't give a crap what other people think. <laughs> and so they live this pretty awesome life. Now, yes, it's hampered with clutter, but like all we do is, you know, and this, so this would be the second lesson. Hoarders, there's so many other things than just a hoarder, but we only see the clutter. And so I think, you know, I often like to tell people like, man, there's a lot more to a person than just what you physically see. And if you, if you do the old iceberg, you know, um, analogy, like most hoarders are icebergs, right? Like they, you see the top, you see what's above the water and you see this gross, filthy disorder of hoarding. But I've seen some of the most brilliant, kind, amazing people that are hoarders. And what I've learned is they're just currently hoarding. They are not a hoarder. And so like the no judgment thing is a really important thing I've learned from hoarders. I mean, there's some amazing, fascinating people that are hoarders. Some of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And we just, we stick to the one thing we see, which is the hoarding. Wow. Wow. Matt, how can people connect with you on social media and the internet and learn more about the new book? All right. Everything's on I am Matt Paxton. Uh, you can go to IamMattPaxton.com. All my social media is I am Matt Paxton. Or if, uh, anything for the TV show is My Legacy List, MyLegacyList.com. Check out the first two seasons. They are free on MyLegacyList.com. It's a really super positive show. And then um, the book will be out February 8th, Penguin Random House Publishing. And AARP is my partner on that. We're really excited about that. And um, you'll see a bunch of promotions on that. But you'll be able to um, get lots of resources uh, off of our website at mylegacylist.com. If you need helps, tips, we have a lot of uh, little you know, one-minute videos of how to get started, things like that. All that's on mylegacylist.com. Well, great, Matt. You are doing absolutely wonderful work, and we're so pleased that you shared your time and wisdom with us. Thank you, thank you. Hey, if you're listening and you're thinking you want to get started, just just try it for 10 minutes. That's it. You can do it, I promise you. It's not as hard as you think. 10 minutes, stop, celebrate, focus on what you did, not what you didn't do. I know what I'm doing today. I was going to say, I, love it. <laughs> I know what I'm doing after this. Matt, again, we thank you. Our thanks to Matt Paxton, the host of the PBS show Legacy List with Matt Paxton and author of the new book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff, Declutter, Downsize, and Move Forward with Your Life. And again, his website is IamMattPaxton.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.